0: The regular season is finally over. I should say the playoffs are finally over and we're on to the offseason Habs fans. I know if you're like me, you're so excited to be on with the offseason. The Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. And I know uh, obviously not the first choice for fans, but given the situation this season this year, I think a lot of fans were happy uh, to see Lekkanen lift the cup by not the first choice. I mean, obviously the Canadians are the first choice, but I think all Habs fans are happy to see Lekkanen lift that cup I mean what a crazy two years for him the clinching goal to bring the Canadians to the cup final on Saint-Jean last year which makes him an eternal icon in the province of Quebec then he gets the the game-winning goal to send his team to the Stanley Cup final again this year and he gets the game-winning goal in the uh, the deciding game six to win the cup I mean how happy were you for in when you saw that Dustin Oh my
1: God, so clutch, man! Ah, super happy. I mean, Lekkinen, you know, I, for all the years that he's that he was with the Habs, you know, I I always thought that he was one of the most underrated players, um, you know. And, and finally, you know, a, a little bit more this last season, he started to get the love uh, that that he deserved for the last for the last couple of seasons. But no, uh, definitely sad to see him go. But uh, you know, it so happy to see him win the cup for sure. And There's you know, it's fun. it's sort yeah. of like mixed emotions too because it's kind of yeah. like you know sad to see him. but you're not generally
0: one to root for former Habs if anything you're often a hater of former Habs but Lekkonen is an exception <laughs> I guess. well I mean it depends on how they leave right like I'm never gonna cheer for Max already, that's for sure oh no yeah for sure like I'll, I'll agree with you on, on that one but uh, yeah but so and it's always fun when like and it's, like, bittersweet when an underrated player, like, moves to a different team. And you see it often. Actually, it kind of reminds me of the Paul Byron situation where, like, the Habs fans and Calgary fans, have, like, if you go on message boards and on Twitter, they kind of have fun with the whole thing. Uh, like, even, even years later, every time Byron scores, if you went on, on like, Twitter threads or on, on the Reddit, like, game threads for the, the Avalanche games... You had a bunch of Habs fans and Colorado Valens fans talking about how much they loved the like, and then, like it was really great to see Colorado embrace him. And now he he, he really seems to be recognized almost uh, league wide at this point. Everyone is is seeing how how great of a player he is, and and he could have a monster regular season next year. Like if he keeps playing with uh, with like. McKinnon or who, how, whoever knows how how that's gonna go, but I mean just seeing him today, we just I, I just we were just looking at that that clip of him at the at the Cup parade chugging a beer through his jersey. I guess that's a thing, but I mean it's just great to see uh, see him having a having a good time and seeing like Daniel I think it was that uh, tweeted out to congratulate him and all that. It, it, like you said, it's a little sad because it's like man, like it would have been great to see these guys you know celebrate while still the Habs, but anyways happy for 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 Lekinen. but like I said uh this means we can finally move on to the draft the draft in Montreal the first overall pick for the Canadians and if you're like me Dustin you can't wait to get this draft go, uh, over with so we can stop having these arguments on social media about who the Canadians should draft uh so so excited for that and as usual uh very very happy to have Marco D'Amico on as a guest to talk to us uh, about the draft if you follow anyone on Twitter for the Montreal Canadiens you must follow Marco D'Amico or if you don't you should uh, he's, he, he's been on the show before and he, what he does is, is has changed a lot but lately he's the beat reporter uh, for uh, for Montreal Hockey now and at MN D'Amico and honestly, we, we make jokes about how little I know about the prospects coming into the to the league uh, compared to you. And he, he, he makes you look like you don't know anything about the prospects. So uh, great to have him on. Uh, so we won't uh, uh, talk too much about the interview first. We'll get right into the interview. So uh, you'll get to hear Dustin introduce him in, uh, in, in two seconds here. Really tune in. We'll be back after the interview. But great, great, great interview with Marco Namico right now.
1: All right, I'm here with Marco Damico, Habs beat reporter from Montreal Hockey. Now, Marco, thank you very much for joining us. I know you're uh, you're busy, especially with the draft coming up in basically a week. It's gonna a week from today. So, thanks again for joining us today, Marco.
2: Uh, it's a pleasure. That the draft can't come soon enough.
1: Yeah, for sure. We've we've been waiting patiently over the last couple of weeks, couple of months. Um, so, again, it's one week away at this point. You know, obviously, we're all eager. Let's just let's just start it off with the big question that everyone everybody wants to know, who are the Habs going to be taking first overall?
2: Uh that's a complicated question that I don't think anybody knows re- for real right now. I think the Canadians uh prior to the combine were leaning towards Shane Wright from what uh sources were telling us. Uh and this isn't one specifically, this is with a word that was going around at the combine. Um you know things have obviously changed. You know they're looking at more data. they're trying to make sure that everything is a okay. and they're trying to predict a progression curve for for two prospects that, in my opinion, are not at the same point in their development. So they're doing their homework, they're checking it out. and I think they're doing well by not telling anybody or giving anybody a hint at, at where they're going uh, with this pick. but you know, I, I think it takes away from a lot of things I think it, it, it Puts a lot of power in their hands Because they have the power of choice and then everybody else's Choice will be in consequence to theirs um, And so that's that's The power of not having an obvious pick At the top and I think that it's Going to allow them a little bit of wiggle room But it's also going to allow them to play A little bit of chess with the other teams in the top 10 Should they decide to trade back up With, with the draft
1: Being in Montreal and obviously the Habs Have the first overall pick um, I think for for the most part, Habs fans are expecting that pick to be Shane Wright. If the Habs are thinking about drafting Slavkovsky, or, <laughs> or they've decided they're going to take Slavkovsky before the draft, just because sort all the Habs fans that are going to be at the Bell Centre are probably expecting them to take Shane Wright, do you think they might leak it that they're going to take Slavkovsky, or is it going to be a surprise?
2: No, I think the media has done its job right now of seemingly putting doubt as to who is going to be going first overall. Um, it was done in Montreal. Uh, definitely on, <clears throat> you know, on the French side, uh, the, the doubt started almost as soon as Montreal won the first overall pick, and kind of continued into the World Championships. I think that that debate has now carried over to all circles. So um, I think fans should expect the unexpected. Period. If you're going into the into the draft expecting Shane Wright, uh, then you're going to wind up like the what lady from the uh, 2018 draft when Kokoniyemi was the pick. Like you. It's not who they pick. It's uh, it's most definitely develop that pick. And I think that's the most important thing is that the player that they're going to be taking now could possibly be the best player available. It's it's totally possible that it's Slavkovsky. Uh, but if they're not able to properly develop and optimize that player, then really it, it doesn't really matter. So picking is half the battle. Um, and I, I wouldn't... Uh, it wouldn't make or break my fandom if I were a fan attending the NHL draft.
1: So it, it seemed like for the most part, Shane Wright was a, for the most part, the, the consensus first overall pick for the better part of the year. And and really over the last couple of weeks, over the last couple of months, um, you know, we, we've seen Slavkovsky get into the conversation. And even to the point that we saw Bob McKenzie's list this week drop and he had Slavkovsky based, of course, on 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 scouts that he talked to. Slavkovsky number one was that a surprise for you? Is this maybe recency bias, or or what exactly has caused this sort of late rise? Do you think?
2: Uh, I think it's a tough sell. I think it's a it's a little problematic because it's tight right now, and you know a lot of the teams that are looking at Shane Wright are not. You know they they were expecting more. Um, so there was one thing and then Slavkovsky basically, while Shane Wright was not playing uh, anymore, uh, was off in the world championships, turning heads, playing against, you know, teams like Great Britain, Kazakhstan, France, Italy, et cetera. And so you have that kind, not a recency bias, but you, scouts like to see prospects, Progress and continue to progress and show a constant line of progression throughout the season. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that five out of ten scouts that Bob McKenzie uh, looked at prefers Likowski, Um, but that means absolutely nothing. And Bob McKenzie himself said this right. Like Bob McKenzie said, uh, it really doesn't matter who is number one on my list because I can ask another ten scouts right now, and it's so tight that Shane Wright might win the next. Uh, you know. Uh, survey of ten scouts, and it would wind up being uh, five-four for 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 right instead of Slavkovsky. So, by no means is is Bob McKenzie even making a prediction, and that's what he's trying to tell everybody is that yes, they may have Slavkovsky number one based on the scouts that he went about um, you know surveying, but that, that that's not an indication of what the Montreal Canadiens are thinking, nor uh, the teams in the top end of the draft. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, uh, there has been some talk today that the Canadians are are actively trying to get another top 10 pick. Do you think the haves could pull that off? And, and if so, if if they are able to maybe get an, uh, another top 10 pick, what do you think they would have to pay to get one?
2: Oh, that, that's completely subjective to the team that's trading the pick. Um, and that could change today to what's available for them on the draft floor. So if a team... That's very desperate for centers, and there's no centers available, and they feel like, um, you know, they can go and get a type of player like that. Or for example, this is not a draft that necessarily has an abundance of speedy power forwards. Uh, you may have a Cutter Gozier, a Slavkovsky at the top, maybe a Marco Casper who may go higher than than usual. But if they do miss out on those players, uh, then maybe a player like Josh Anderson then becomes, you know, attractive because a lot of players are looking to get better now. And perhaps the the feeling that this draft isn't very deep and and the talent, the elite talent is not where they'd like it to be for whatever reason may prompt them to want to move for assured assets, uh, you know, such as the Josh Anderson and Jeff Petrie. I don't think that Jeff Petrie gets you into the top 10, but this is what I'm talking about. Those kinds of of already sure things. Um, I don't necessarily think that the Montreal Canadiens will wind up uh, picking number two or number three. Like I don't, I don't, I would be a pipe dream to think that they would be able to get that high, but I could definitely see a world where, uh, between five and 10, uh, they could, they could try to make a move.
1: And, and if they were to get that, you know, like you said, but probably most likely between five and 10, any idea who they might be taking a look at and, and could that, if, if they were to get a five to 10 pick, do you think that could potentially change who they might be
2: drafting first overall? It shouldn't. Uh, it shouldn't change anything, in my opinion. If you're, when you're selecting first overall, you're selecting the, the player that is the best fit for your organization from a potential perspective to a positional need. Um, when you're picking up in the top ten, it's because you're picking the player that is so much higher on your board, but still available in on on the draft floor. And I think that's the big difference. So when you're trading up for a guy there's a few guys I can think of that I, that the Canadians have liked like a cutter goats uh, like, a Jonathan, like Mackie. Uh, those are guys that, that we know they've had interest in because they showed a significant amount of interest at the combines. Uh, there could be another one. There could be another rabbit in, uh, out of the hat and, you know, definitely a move like that. Um, you know, you gotta be sure. And I think it's a draft day deal. I think that happens on the floor. um, A lot of these deals are usually kind of pre-negotiated beforehand. And then if the scenario is correct and the player, you know, the the player that the team wants is no longer there, they call back the, you know, the team that wants to trade up and say, okay, are you down to trade? And that's how the trade goes down. So I would be fully expecting a draft floor surprise from the Canadians should something like that happen.
1: Okay. Right now, the second pick that the uh, the Canadians are holding is the 26th pick uh, of the first round. Any um, any ideas who they might be taking a look at there or maybe even a position that they might be looking to address?
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty wild in the 20s because uh, there's a lot of fluctuation. We have guys that many have ranked out just outside the top 10 that are being ranked uh, in the late 20s right now. So it could go basically in any direction, uh, which is not clear uh, of a response at all. Uh, there's definitely guys that I've identified like... Uh, you know, a couple of centers, for example, like I, I don't think the Canadians are done just picking one center. I think they really want to shore up that position organizationally. Um, so guys like Luca Bell Belous playing out of the Mississauga Steelheads. Uh, Nathan Gouchy, who is a big center playing out of Quebec for the Ramparts. Uh, those are guys that, that come to my mind as well. In terms of wingers that could be available, uh, Jimmy Snuggerud uh, is an option as well. Power forward shooting. Uh, type of player that uh, really doesn't shy away from the physicality. Um, you know, and they can take their time with a guy like him. Uh, or they can go, you know, with a potential boomer bust kind of pick with like a Lane Hudson, who is a smallish defenseman, but has elite skill and talent uh, that could potentially wind up being the bigger steals of the draft. It, it, it can go in many directions. And when you get to that point, it's a question of list and every team has a completely different list when you get to 26. Uh, I would even say when you get to 15 to 20, that's when things start getting very diverse and you start seeing surprises. Uh, so even if the Canadians have guys high on their list, there could potentially be fallers that wind up close to there that they would just pounce on to, to draft. So the Canadians are currently holding, if I'm not mistaken, 14 picks in the draft. Yeah. So yeah.
1: They- you know, uh, obviously that's that's a crazy amount of picks. I mean, they have you know multiple picks in the in the first round. Obviously, second round, third round. Do you think they're they're actually going to make 14 picks, or are they going to be big movers? Do you think and, and potentially move up in the first round, uh, maybe get multiple picks in the first round if they package
2: some of those seconds? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I'm not a betting man, but I'd bet that they don't have 14 picks by the time the day is done. I think they're going to select 14 times. They've got so many young players that they have to give contracts to uh, over the next 2 years because the canadians picked 38 players over the last 4 uh it, it's a lot most uh, the average is about 6 or 7 generally uh you know so it's it's okay to have and i think the the, the key here is that the canadians have had a lot of quantity a lot of mid round picks but this is the first time this is the first time since 2001 that the Montreal Canadiens walked into a draft with two first-round picks, so that that alone is a big deal. Uh, you factor in the fact that they have, uh, you know, another two second-round picks. There's a lot of mobility that can come with it, and they have assets to move because they are in a roster reconstruction kind of scenario. So there's a lot of there's a lot of possibility, I would say, for for movement, for a lot of trading of those picks. And you know, the other thing to keep into consideration is. There's a lot of players you know, across the league that are going to be looking for new homes that are younger players that, that teams just don't have room for or don't want to qualify or whatever. They're. The Canadians can use a lot of those late-round picks to kind of swoop in and get their rights before they are traded to another team or become free agents. Or, you know, It, it gives them that flexibility. I would personally like to see the Canadians use their fourth and fifth-round pick to be more aggressive in rounds two and three because that's usually where you get the great value in the draft and it's something that i would hope that the montreal canadians who did a lot of work in their private combines would be able to be the most effective
1: you, you mentioned that canadians could potentially you know maybe move some of these picks to go get some of those young players that, that that could potentially be on the move looking for a new home i don't want to put you on the spot here but any any names that come to mind
2: Oh, I mean there's there's room all over the place. I know that the uh for example, the Edmonton Oilers are looking to get move on from one of Jesse Puljujarvi or uh Killer Yamamoto. I'm, I'm assu- I would assume that it would probably be Puljujarvi that that would be priced out. So perhaps a move there to 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 you know and and this is what happens usually is the threat of an offer sheet leads to an actual trade. And I think that that's what would probably happen with a guy like Puljujarvi because edmonton simply can't afford them and they need the cap space so there could be an option there where a pick can be put in place i don't think it's a mid-round pick i think it might be higher but if the canadians don't see a player they think you know could match up in terms of potential and they want to bring in a guy that can help their that can help fill out that that top line for example and play with a suzuki and a caulfield um i'm not saying he'll be as good as them but he's a good guy to help complete lines at least a little bit more skilled than a Josh Anderson, in my opinion. So that's an option. On the low end, you know, I, I, we heard yesterday uh, from uh, Rick Dalywal that the Canadians were possibly interested in a goalie like uh, Mikey DiPietro out of Vancouver. And that's pretty interesting because his coach in junior is uh, none other than assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Mr. Trevor Lutowski. So they, there's a connection to be made there, and the Canadians are looking to shore up their, their positioning goal. I wouldn't even be surprised if some of their picks were used for more uh, NHL-proven younger goaltenders that need to be uh, that need to be found a new home because I think the Canadians are extremely unhappy with their current goaltending situation and that's an area that they want to seriously uh, improve. So the lack of a top-end goaltender prospect in this draft would like mean in my opinion that they would be more aggressive on the trade front to try and fix that hole in the organization
1: okay you don't think that w- with Caden Primo's performance especially over the playoffs was fantastic do you think maybe that might make them think twice before going to get a DiPietro Pietro guy or, or you know a younger goalie like that or are they no. really you know no
2: no I think the biggest detriment to Caden Primo's development is the lack of legitimate depth in that organization when it comes to goaltending uh it forced a guy like primo to sit on the pine during not the season just passed the one before because of the taxi squads due in large part to a lack of depth in the organization and then again this year with carrie price's injury forcing him to go up and down up and down up and down throughout the season having a guy like di pietro around where they can split net and play consistently well then you could just call it di pietro in that case if there's an injury or whatnot. And that's if Caden Primo isn't, uh, you know, isn't moved in a trade because his value is not at all time high after the playoffs he just had, and the Canadians may not be sold on the fact that he's the the heir apparent, and would rather would rather maximize his value and then seek out a goalie that has similar potential in, in Mikey Di Pietro, who was a standout goaltender in junior. There's a lot of possibilities that could happen here, and that's why I'm saying interest and and talks show that there's significant fluidity when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens' current situation. So when a lot of fans will ask, well, why would they do that? It's probably because they're thinking about a scenario that we haven't even thought of yet.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously lots of surprises coming up, I think. Um, so one, one of the things that the Habs have been criticized quite a bit here uh, for in Montreal has been the lack of, of picks or at least top-end picks from the queue that they've made. Uh, now, they certainly did address that last year. They drafted four players there to the queue, uh, three Quebecers. Uh, now, especially this year, with the draft being in Montreal, they currently hold 14 picks. Do you think we'll see that emphasis on on trying to get as you know quite a few Quebec-born players, especially with the fact now that they have Laval Rocket and the 12 Lions right now? Do you think we'll uh, continue to see a lot of players from the queue drafted by the Habs?
2: I don't think that you'll I don't think you'll see a lot of players uh, I think last year was a good year uh four players from the queue and I think that that's because the queue played uh, as opposed to other junior leagues that played uh, a bubble in the w h l or just not at all in the o h l so there's a little bit more certainty in that case. do I think the Montreal Canadiens will pick a player from the queue in the first two rounds? Yes, I think that they'll do what they gotta do um the drafts in Montreal they've publicly committed. To wanting to have local players, more local players. They already went and acquired one of the top end uh, QMJHL drafted players over the last two years, and Justin Barron. Uh, he may not be French Canadian, he speaks French and he's from the queue. So, again, like they're showing a desire to bring in guys from the region. And it's not just Quebec, it's also the Maritimes. And I think that that is going to be shown. There, if they keep, for example, if they keep pick 26 or 33, well, there's four players that I could see from the queue picked at those, play, at those picks. Uh, Nathan Gaucher is one I already spoke about. Tristan Luneau and Noah Warren, who both play for the Gatineau Olympics. Uh, both right-shot defensemen, an organizational need for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and both of them look like they have the potential to be you know, strong defensive top four guys with potential uh, offensive upside. Noah Warren would probably be more available in the, at the 33 slot, in my opinion, uh, but anything is possible at the draft at this point. And then uh, there's also Maverick Lamoureux uh, from the drummondville uh, vault who could be available, uh, you know, maybe towards the mid-round uh, of the second round, and that would be a trade-up from the Montreal Canadiens because they do have three third-round picks and a late second-round pick, so they could... A thir- an early third and a late second can get you into the middle of the second round based on on the data that we found. So again, being aggressive at the draft table, whereas in the past, for example, we look back to the 2017 draft, the Montreal Canadiens really, really liked uh, a few Quebec-born players. Um, one of them was Maxime Contois. And they thought that he was going to be available when they picked uh, in the 50s. Um, and unfortunately, he was picked a few picks earlier by the Anaheim Ducks. Mark Bergevin stated that he didn't feel like trading up to go and get him. He didn't feel like they needed to. I think that Jeff Gordon is a little bit more aggressive as as a GM. He likes to go and get his players. We've seen that in his work with the New York Rangers. Um, So if he has a guy in mind from the queue that they really like, I think they'll make the move.
1: All right. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, it'll be the first time that we see uh, Hughes and Gorton here at the draft with the Canadians. So, uh, yeah i mean obviously there's they have a lot of picks they they can make those moves they have a lot of collateral um uh, you know a lot of assets that they can move to potentially move up uh and again lots of picks in the later rounds any yeah. late round gems that you would like to see the Habs pick
2: there's definitely uh from the queue there's one that came to mind and he's one that i've liked for a long time played in blainville and then finished his junior career this year uh out in Acadie uh is miguel tourini who is a uh, you know, 20 years old, uh, kind of in the same situation that Xavier Simono and uh, Harvey Penard were in. Uh, but this guy is a defenseman that was over a point per game. He's he's not the, he's not necessarily the fastest player. He's definitely not the tallest player, but he's one of the smartest players on the ice. And he's, that's, a, that's a guy that I would like to, you know, you brought up Laval, you brought up, Tauriga, that's a guy I would like to see them throw a, a, a sixth, a, you know, seventh round pick on if he's still not taken because that's the kind of upside that you're looking for because now look Harvey Penard uh is very close to pushing for a spot in the NHL even though nobody wanted to give him a shot for the first 2 years mm-hmm. development is a is a very peculiar non-linear track for the grand majority of NHL players so when you see development of that sort and, and, a, and a leader of, of that quality Miguel Tulini is definitely one that comes to mind uh, you know and it's it's not simply because he's from Quebec Uh, it's just one of those guys that I feel could possibly be a good value pick at that point. Um, another overager that I was, well, not overager, he's 19, but I don't see him, you know, making it past and making it into the third round at this point is Logan Morrison, who was the OHL MVP, uh, during the playoffs for the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, he's 20 as well this year. And the thing with him is, uh, there was no OHL last year um so a little bit like arbor uh uh, arbor jackai who was signed by the montreal canadians there was there was no ohl last year but clearly the progression curve this year was pretty apparent and the way he played in the playoffs in my honest opinion i think he's a great bet in the second round if not third round uh and that's a guy that i'd like to see the montreal canadians take a look at because that kind of production, I don't, I, I don't care what age you are. That kind of ability to play and and that production. I mean, he he looked better than Mason McTavish on on most nights. And Mason McTavish was a third overall pick last year. So it, it's an intriguing kind of draft where there's not a lot of certainty, but there's the potential for a lot of these risky picks, these home run style picks to pan out.
1: All right, yeah, lot definitely lots to look forward to, especially when you have that many picks again probably not going to make 14 picks in the draft, but when they have that many picks, I mean, why not go for a couple of home runs, right?
2: Absolutely. And I think that's the point. I think there's been a a lot of safe picks, a lot of quantity of picks. I think you have the, with the depth of the, the, the Montreal Canadiens prospect pool, you have the leeway to take a, to step to the plate and try to take a few homers.
1: So again, we've talked about the first overall pick Shane Wright, Slavkovsky, um, well, first of all, any chance that you, that you see Habs taking neither one of them and maybe going with either Nemec or uh, or Logan Cooley? Uh,
2: Cooley has an outside chance. I could see it. But if they do take Cooley, I would see them trading down. Um, Nemitz, I I don't think so. I don't see them trading down for a guy like Nemitz. I don't see them taking Nemitz number one either. Um, I think that if they do value a player like Nemitz, they will move mountains to try and trade up with Seattle. Or Philadelphia to try and see what they can do, um, but uh, you know at, at this point, I think it's firmly set between those two players with an outside shot of Logan Cooley, and and that's basically it.
1: And I know you said you're not a betting man, but if you have to bet, who do you think the Habs are taking?
2: Honestly, I in terms of fit, in terms of how things work, in terms of what they're looking to build, and in terms of what I've gotten from this coaching staff, following them around and listening to them. The type of player that Martin Saint-Louis likes is Shane Wright. It's the intelligent player. It's the player whose game is built through strong two-way play that then leads to offense. And that's exactly how he described Nick Suzuki. And that's exactly the type of player that that Martin Saint-Louis instantly falls in love with. So when you have a guy like Shane Wright right in front of you, who many believe was not used to the, to the best of his abilities in junior and not developed in the proper way this year in Kingston, well, maybe the Canadians are going to bet on themselves and say, well, you know what? He was clearly the best player of his age group not even a year ago. He was clearly, uh, you know, the, the guy with the most elite uh, skill set. Uh, maybe we simply just need to put a little bit more effort into refining the gem that many saw a few years ago and, and, and getting it up there. But that's not to say that a guy like Slavkovsky isn't a gem in himself. I, and, and I don't think, you know, a lot of people were were taken aback by Bob McKenzie's comments that said that a lot of people think that they're maybe just second liners. I don't think so. I think a lot of people are just very, uh, very down on this draft in general. Um, I think there was a lot of hype and, and, you know, maybe it didn't live up to it at this point. But I think that when, like the 2021 draft where everybody thought it was going to be a week, uh, I think... Six, seven months from now, when a lot of these players are playing in uh, their second full season back from COVID, I think we're going to see a lot of people change their minds. And guys like Sofkowski, guys like Shane Wright, uh, in my opinion, are going to make whoever team drafts them very happy. But I think at the end of the day, a team like Montreal wants to build a championship team. And if you look around the league, a winger picked first overall is extremely rare.
0: You really
2: have to be above and beyond better than the centre. And from what we're hearing from all accounts, that's not the case. They are, at best, similar in potential. So if that's the case, I see the Canadians going for the centre.
1: All right. So Shane Wright it is then. Uh, Regardless of who they take, whether it's Shane Wright or Slavkovsky, um, assuming they they are drafting first overall, do you think it's a slam dunk that either one of those guys is playing with the Habs on day one?
2: No, no, I do not. I do. I really don't. And in fact, judging by the comments that were made by Kent Hughes, they're not in a rush to throw these players into the NHL. Um, you know, with a guy like Slavkowski, uh, you would want to see him dominate again next year, you know, not just internationally, but even on his team. And that's the big deal, right? If you're, a lot of the risk, the reason why Slavkovsky isn't an automatic number one on everybody's list is because they're not, they're concerned over the longevity of his production because he produces in pockets. Whereas if you look at a guy like Shane Wright, he's shown that he could be dynamic, but he just wasn't last year for whatever reason. And you know, so it's maybe these two guys aren't simply just aren't ready. And that's okay. We've seen a top, you know, we've seen top picks, Go back, especially last year. We saw Owen Power go back, Matty Beniers go back uh, to the NCAA, and it served them wonders. I don't think either of them was ready to play in the NHL this year. Uh, they were by the end of it because they got that experience, they got that that maturity. They were able to catch up to their game, and I think that that's what these players are should also be afforded. And I think if if there is patience shown on either of them, I think that'll you know in hindsight it'll make this draft look a lot better than many are projecting it to be
1: and la- last question i have for you because I know, I know you're busy um any do you see any now obviously you know we've heard about the, the, the canadians potentially moving up and getting the top uh, another top 10 pick any crazy trades you think the haves might pull off the next couple of days obviously josh anderson's been talked about a little bit maybe jeff Petrie. anyone else you think maybe the haves could move uh, over the next week
2: i, I could possibly see a joel armia trade possibly um, I know the Canadians don't want to get too small too quick. So if they do trade a guy like Anderson, they may hold on to a guy like Joel Armia. But Joel Armia's stock rose through a pretty solid play in the World Championship, um, you know, similarly to Slavkovsky's draft capital. right? And so a lot of teams were saying, hmm, he played pretty well in the second half of the season under Martin St. Louis. He did really well for Finland at the World Championships. They went on to win gold. Um, you know, that's the player that Mark Berger signed to a four-year term. Uh, you know, if the Canadians are willing to make it work money-wise, where they, they take a, a, you know, a lesser contract on a shorter-term deal, well, then maybe that, you know, they can make that kind of move. And so that's why I think, you know, Jules Armia could make sense. And they can, they're flexible now, right? Because they can basically maneuver. And so making a move like a Jeff you're making a move like a Josh Anderson will open up cap flexibility for them to be able to make other moves like trading a UL Armia.
1: All right. So well, again, the draft is one week away. Uh, Marco, I know I'm sure you've got lots of stuff coming out. Lots, lots, lots of other interviews and stuff going on, going on over the next week. Where can our listeners uh, catch some of your content?
2: Uh, Montrealhockeynow.com. Uh, that's, that's where to read us all the time. And then on Sunday mornings at TSN 690 and, sporadically on 91.9 uh, on the french side so and then obviously at twitter uh MNDamico, uh always there dm at me any questions any 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 concerns don't be shy
1: awesome and i think you mentioned you have a you have a column
2: coming out today right yeah well we we should have a column coming out today where we talked about it a little bit uh, as well like just the, the the fit at first overall and obviously uh you know the Canadians have guys in place that are used to dealing or have dealt with uh, in the integration of a first overall pick and what they're kind of looking for in, in those first overall picks. I mean, they employ one in Vinnie Cavalier and you obviously have Martin Saint Louis, who kind of helped onboard a guy like Steven Stamkos, and obviously them maintaining contact with a guy like Shane Wright, um, which is what we're talking about right now. I think, I think we're starting to see the fit. I think. If, if all is equal, I think the Canadians will go with what feels natural, what is fit, what is familiar, as Kent Hughes said recently as well. Um, so something to keep an eye on. Uh, but I think this is definitely going to go to the wire.
1: Well, lots to be excited for over the next week. Uh, I'm sure we, we got lots of surprises coming too. Uh, Marco again, saying always a pleasure to, to listen to you talk about the draft. Thanks again for joining us. And, uh, and Well, I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned for us uh, for some more of your content. Thanks a lot, Marco.
0: I appreciate it, man. Have a great day. All right. So once again, thank you, Marco D'Amico for joining us once again, even though he's made it a bit in the big time, he still hasn't forgotten about us. Uh, so uh, great interview as always, uh, Dustin. So let's, uh, let's talk a bit more about the draft. I mean, I got my own stuff to say about it too. So, I mean, the big stuff on social media content, obviously it's Shane, Wright. Or Slahovsky is a big uh, conversation. I know I'm probably saying his name wrong, but I'm just going to go with Slahovsky. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I I I know you are too. I'm I'm all about Shane Wright. I just wanted to go for the safe pick for first overall. But, man, I'm just sick of talking about it. I just, no matter what, I'm not, like, I've seen fans be like, oh, if they don't draft this guy that I want, I'm no longer a half fan. Like, okay, you know, let's relax. Let's relax. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy whoever it is. I'll be more happy if it's Shane Wright. But I'm just excited to... To get a new top prospect in, in, the, in, the, in the prospect pool, you know.
1: Yeah, man, it's, and it's good to have you know the draft next week. We got the off season. We finally got a reason to do the podcast. Yeah, for, exactly. For the first time in a while, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it feels like every year where there's always this conversation where you know there's a player that sort of creeps into the the conversation at the end of the year and we and we've seen that you know even though Shane Wright for the for the better part of the year and then I
0: mean but really one thing were, is that's different this year is the Bob McKenzie list. That's one that's yeah. the one list that made me that made me stop for a second and go, well hold on now. These are real scouts. Bob McKenzie's not a hack you know like he's not he, he, like you if there's anyone you can trust to not be fabricating kind of things for clicks and all that he's moved on to the, to selling his Bobby margarita drinks anyways. Right. Like he, (laughs) he just does this as a part-time gig. He just reports the facts. So, I mean, based on what we've heard from, from Kent Hughes, I do think like he's kind of said little things here and there in some interviews he's done. Like he he, he talked about body of work and wanting kind of like players that, that haven't just shown, Flashes in one specific tournament and like that tells me he's going for Shane. Wright, right. I, I still think you never know. But I, I would say if I had to put money on it, I still feel like like a good 80 percent confident that it's going to be Shane. Right.
1: yeah i I definitely agree with that i mean yeah uh, like you said i mean and and from all the reports like it seems like they they have a constant dialogue with shane Wright as well Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i i don't think they're gonna go with slavkovsky i mean it seems like a slam dunk to me shane Wright. um you know like like you said i mean regardless of who they take be it shane Wright, slavkovsky or anybody else i'm obviously gonna root for that person and and you know i mean it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be the end of the world but but definitely Shane Wright, I think, is, is the way that they should be going.
0: Because the and, thing is, is, if you look at former drafts, the reality is only about 50% of the time is the first overall pick, the best player in the draft. And some of those times, it's a slam dunk, right? Like when there's a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid or, or what have you. We've talked about it. Everyone has talked about it. We all know that Shane Wright is not that level of player. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. Can still be a fantastic player. But when you don't have a slam dunk guy like a Sidney Crosby, like a Connor McDavid, like at least 50% of the time if not more the first overall pick isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily end up being the best player in the draft and very very relevant to this conversation is the standing cup champions like what? What year was I forget? What year McCarr was trade was uh, was drafted? Was it 2014 or or or, or was it 16? It, w- it was one of those. But he was drafted fourth, and I remember Colorado was meant to get the first pick. And like they, I remember Colorado fans being so upset because they, they they really got screwed with the lottery and all that. But it's funny how that turns out because them get and they've admitted that if they had the first overall pick, they wouldn't have went for McCarr because you you really never know what, what what can happen a few years down the line. And now. Now they win the cup. He wins the con Smythe. He's he wins the North, He's he. Uh, some people are arguing he's the best player in the league, and he was drafted fourth, right? He wasn't drafted first.
1: No, exactly. And I and I remember, yeah, to, 2017, he was drafted fourth overall. And yeah, I mean, Cale McCarr was was not that high on most draft lists either. Like I remember when they drafted Kale and I was like, why? That's, that's like such a reach. Why would they draft McCarr? Shows how um, much you know uh well i know obviously and and actually they they had a the, the there was an interview just the other day with uh with nathan mckinnon saying when they picked kale kale mccarr he didn't really even know who kale mccarr was and he was like why did we just draft this this defenseman from junior a in alberta but but i mean that's the thing right it's it's always going to be a crapshoot, and like you said i mean no there's nobody in this draft it's it's that generational talent There's you know shane wright is a fantastic player has the potential to be a great player uh, but it, you know he's certainly never going to be a Connor McDavid or a, or a you know a Sidney Crosby. It, he very well could not be. You know when we look back at the draft ten years from now, I I wouldn't be surprised to see that he's not the best player in the draft. He's not the the, the leading scorer of the draft. But, but
0: if you, if you look at that 2017 draft again, who went first overall is um, Nico Escher. And he, although no one's going to argue that Isher is a better player than Killamacar obviously but if you're a New Jersey fan like you're not upset that they drafted Nico Isher, right because it, it was the smart pick at the time and and like fans understand that you can't have a perfect like eight ball prediction of who's going to be the the top player in the draft and he's still a very 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 solid player he's, he's still an asset for the New Jersey Devils and I feel like Shane Wright is actually kind of a great comparable in in, in this situation However, if you have, if if it's like a Nolan Patrick who went second overall, who New Jersey, there was a conversation about it that year that that's who, he, and of course, Nolan Patrick's had injury issues. Like you you can never predict that. But then, then the, the cabs, basically what I'm trying to say, the Habs can't miss here. They they, they have to play it safe. I mean, the whole talk when Bergman was fired is that you can't miss on these top picks multiple times in a row. And, and like it, it means something right and and i think a lot of Habs fans are kind of have ptsd of caught kenyemi and we made fun of that that uh who girl which i know marco Demico brought up in the in the interview too but in the end uh, maybe uh maybe she was right you know so it, it's it, it, you don't take the risk in this situation you're a new gm it's in montreal and there's one guy that everyone agree agrees that maybe he won't you know be insane but he should at the very least be a consistent 60 point center you
2: should pick that yeah. guy
1: no exactly you know i mean we've been talking about for years for decades about how the canadians need centers uh you know they got suzuki at this point but uh definitely shane Wright would look pretty good behind him for the next decade or so
0: yeah and that's the dumbest kind of like argument against shane Wright that i've heard is that like we already have Suzuki, or like he's too much, too similar to Suzuki. That doesn't make any sense to me. Do you not want two Nick Suzukis? I would love to have two Nick Suzukis. Like what? <laughs> like you don't win with one top center. You win with at least two, and then you can complement with like the bottom like two guys, like like we already have Dvorak. You know?
1: No, exactly. So it, yeah, I mean, it it definitely seems like a slam dunk and. And I I definitely, uh, you know, really expect the Habs to be taken, Shane Wright. It it would be a pretty big surprise to me if it was Slavkovsky.
0: But now what's becoming more interesting, and, and, and look, I eat up trade rumors. I really do. And it really pisses me off that clearly, like, we all know that all these websites, even the big guns, the TSNs and all that, we know that they know that if they put the Canadians or the Leafs in a rumor, it's it's good for traffic, you know, so of course, drafts in Montreal, we're getting a bunch of rumors. But now, like this morning, he had Bruce Garioc, uh, which I mean, he's not necessarily the, the always, you know, the best with the rumors, but still, you know, you got got the check mark on Twitter saying that, you know, the Canadians are trying to get into the top 10. And then only an hour before we started recording here, David Pagnot of the fourth period saying also Kent Hughes wants to make a big splash. He's talking to everyone trying to make a move. So like it's kind of new territory as, as Habs fans, right? Cause obviously this is the first kind of big event. I guess there was the trade deadline, but with this new management group, but it does sound like they want to make a big splash. And I think by big splash, it's not, not trading the obvious guy. The big splash is you get Shane, right? And then you make a trade and get another guy in the top 10. If they pull that off now, I don't know what the assets is going to cost, but if they pull that off, that will make for a very, very, very exciting draft.
1: Uh definitely if they could get a second a second pick especially in the top 10 i mean wow that would that would be fantastic i mean uh, you know I, I i of course wouldn't expect them to go get you know like the second or third overall pick or something like that like we're probably talking you know something like 8 9 10 or something like that but i mean they'd still you know obviously get a, a really solid prospect in, in in you know and with one of those picks as well but but like you said i mean it'd be interesting to see what exactly they move i mean like obviously they have a lot of picks i mean they have the 26th pick they have two seconds uh three threes and three fours but i mean to move up you know presumably they have to move the 26th and then sure.
0: you know some some solid other picks maybe maybe a prospect or I a mean, couple of your 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 favorite montreal canadians player Josh Anderson is in a lot of these rumors Uh, and like, and like like, you can say what you will about Anderson. I don't necessarily agree with your assessment of he doesn't get enough points. So he's useless. I mean, I I think he does bring stuff to the table that is kind of unique, but at the same time, given his age range and the trajectory of the team, I'm not going to be too mad. If we move Anderson, the one thing you have to admit, even if you maybe don't value Anderson's kind of what he brings to a team that highly GMs in the NHL, love guys like josh anderson i would not be surprised because some people can't believe they can't imagine the idea of of anderson being enough along with the other pick of course to 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 move up in the in the top 10 of a draft but i i truly believe there's some gms out there that would that would happily do that
1: okay i think you're twisting my words around a little bit about josh anderson (laughs) i mean I, I realize that he brings, first of all, okay, he 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 had what like 35 points last season. I know that's not all he brings to the team. He's a he 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 does absolutely. I 100% agree that he has that unique set of skills that nobody else has. That speed and the size, and you know when when he is engaged and throws the body around, which isn't that often, and definitely not as often as Habs fans like to think it is. He he can absolutely be a very dominating player. My problem is that you don't see that as often as everybody seems to think, and and he's and he's a constant lie. Well, he can be a liability in his own zone, and and does not have the greatest awareness. And and again, I mean, let and you just kind of mentioned this as well. Let's not forget that Josh Anderson, I believe, is twenty eight years old, twenty seven or yeah. twenty eight. Like realistically, the Habs are not going to be a contending team for no,
0: for sure, for you sure. know. But, like, we've talked about this, though. Like, like I think we both agree at this point that you don't want to do full rebuild with no vets, right? You got to hold on to some. So who is it that you want to hold on to? A lot of the talk was Josh Anderson being one of those guys they want to hold on to. But maybe now they're realizing he, you know, maybe they tried to see if they could move a Gallagher. I wouldn't be surprised if Gallagher at this point is completely unmovable, right? Love, love, love Gallagher. But at 6.5 a year with... Uh, what what is he? Had, like five years left on his contract, and he took a big big drop last year. And he doesn't. And he the style of game he plays, it wouldn't be that shocking. I would hate I hate to say, it, but it wouldn't be that shocking if what we saw in last year is a sign of 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 what's to come. Like he's unmovable, so maybe he's the veteran guy that, that you hold on to. And Josh Anderson, I actually think you can get some assets for him if you if you can move him. But you, 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 that that that's the thing you want to keep some veterans, right? Like who else is there? Paul Byron, like. A, he, he might, like, is he even going to play? like He's always injured. I mean, you've got Joel Edmonton on the back end. Petrie should be out the door, right? That's what they've been very, very open about this. I guess you have David Savard too, but you're he, starting to, to run thin with uh, the with veterans, especially, uh, I mean, Carey Price, like who knows how many games he's even going to play this year, you know? So so you want to hold on to some veterans, but maybe they've realized that as much as they'd like to hold on to Anderson, he's one of the few that they can actually move and get some, some good stuff back.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I I don't, uh, you know, I I would certainly be all for keeping Josh Anderson. I mean, I'm not as much as a hater as as you seem to think I am. (laughs) But, but I mean, like Josh Anderson, and like you mentioned, I mean, GMs, I'm sure around the NHL, every every team would love to have Josh Anderson on their team. So, so like he, he could definitely get a pretty solid return. I would think maybe not as high as some Habs fans seem to think that, that you could get a return for him. Um, But but yeah, Josh Anderson, I mean, you know, it it would obviously have to depend on the return. Um, You know, I'd I'd be open to it. He's definitely not untouchable. But I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, having some of those veterans, that's something that you definitely have to keep in mind. Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, you have to think he's unmovable at this point though I, yeah. I i wouldn't be too surprised to see him like bounce back at least a
0: little bit next no, season well that's the thing I'm not saying he's forever unmovable if he does bounce back, which i do believe he could he he's gonna try you know he's gonna try to we know that the lack of effort is not one what's gonna stop gallagher uh but uh if his body's willing and he shows he can be what he used to be, maybe then he's movable but this off season i i like the the Canadians i think would need to pay for someone to take him on, oh yeah, yeah, probably probably all right so, so then let's say we do make it into the and, and like like let's say canadians draft shane right like we kind of think is going to happen and they actually pull it off they move like the 26 pick and anderson and whatever and they 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 make their way into the top 10 uh, or in, even in the teens right like say they get a pick in the 5 to like 15 range ish you know like is there a guy for you that one, you think the Canadians might have their eye on or that you would love for them to make a move if he drops a little bit to, to, to go get him. like, Because I would love one of the defensemen, namely like Simon Nemec, but I don't think that I don't know if that's realistic. I mean, the, the, the these rankings are all over the place. You see him lower sometimes and all that. But like but with what we I know, he's not as good as McCar obviously. But with what we've seen I and mean, I've said it for years on this podcast, you need solid defense and i like what the prospects we have now look like more but you can never have too 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 much i think especially if your first pick is shane right you know
1: yeah definitely i mean yeah it's it's yeah i think i definitely think uh, simon Nemich is, is 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 for i think we can forget about him i mean he's probably going to go third or fourth overall but uh you know it's, it's tough to say exactly who who they might go after but uh you know some of the guys that i'd love to see would definitely be uh david Yurichek who's a handed defenseman I think he'd be a really good addition six foot three see,
0: that's interesting because some mock drafts have Yerichek ahead of Simon Nemec right this draft more than anything once you get out, out of the like top play three which tends to be like always Shane Height, Safkovsky and Cooley like everything else is all over the place like Cutter Goetze just kind of jumped into the ranks uh and the recent things and all that like so who's to say if you think Yeracek's going to be available who think who's to say Simon Nemec's not that one's going to be available
1: I mean, yeah, you, you never know.
0: I mean, yeah, Nemec,
1: Nemec seems to be like that in, in the 3-4. Juracek, like, it, at the beginning of the year was hot, was a little bit higher. Yeah. He was probably around that range. Um, but he, he suffered an injury at the World Junior Championship, which is has, has kind of hurt him. But then when he came back, you know, he he was really solid. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Juracek, if he's there, I would definitely take him. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a couple of guys. Marco Casper is also yeah. another guy that I really love. You know, he's he's got offensive potential, and he's also, you know, he, he's the type of guy that I think could be a really solid third line center.
0: He's got that grit, physical play with him as well. So I'd, I'd love to see them draft but, him. Well, you're not, the one name you're not naming that I can't help but notice is someone that a lot of people were surprised the Canadians met with during the combine, which is Jonathan uh, Leckery Mackey, I think is how you say his name. I mean, clearly, the like that it was a bit odd that they met with him. Like, clearly, the Canadians are see, see something in him because they're they're never going to pick him first, obviously. So, and he was never going to be available at 26. So, you got to think that maybe he's the guy that have their eye on if they're gonna if they're gonna make a move.
1: It, it certainly could be. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely a guy that has a lot of scoring potential. It's uh, you know, I mean that that is one of the guys, of course, that uh, that Marco D'Amico mentioned is is a, is a potential target if they got in the top ten. Uh, you know, I mean he'd be a solid winger i mean they have yokum yokum kemmel's another pretty solid guy as well if they wanted to go the winger route uh yeah kemmel slowed down a little bit at the end of the year but either either one of those guys could be a fantastic addition as well and really any one of the top 10
0: i mean honestly i'm like looking at it right now like even top 15 seems to be like you can get another solid guy if you can get it in there and and with this year i i really, I really it wouldn't like and we've talked about it a lot before with with everything that's gone on, this is like the first kind of real crop of players that really suffered probably the most because of of like losing seasons to COVID-19 and all that you could really kind of get a, a stud with a with a bit of a later pick you know some, someone that maybe didn't go through the full development yet you know so i I definitely don't hate the idea of trying to sneak a bit higher for another pick in this draft. Absolutely. And and really, even with a 26 pick, like there's
1: there's really not a whole lot of consensus. Like there's some some of these guys that could they could certainly fall. Like, you know, like a guy like Brad Lambert, who hasn't had a great season. Ivan Mirosh who had the, the health issues. I mean, those are two guys that could potentially fall. And it would be absolute steals if the Habs could get them 26. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit all over the place. I mean, even with the 26 pick, I think they're going to get a fantastic player. But if they can get in the top 10. You know, and and really, yeah, like you just said. I mean, the top 15, top 20. I mean, there's, I don't know that there's that big of a difference after you get past the like the initial four or five, between like five and and 20, basically.
0: Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. Like, it's it's right, Salkowski. Cooly, then the the two defensemen a lot of people seem to like and then after that it really seems to be like if you if you look at many mock drafts like there's so many all over the place like it, it really like some guys will fluctuate by 20 spots from one to the other so i mean it, it's gonna make for one of the more interesting drafts i i really I, like i don't know if it's just because it, part of it's obviously because the canadians it's in montreal they have the first pick they have another pick at 26 so obviously for Regardless of the the, the draft, I, I'd be like we were going to be excited for 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 this one, but it just really seems like one of the more interesting ones. And even just at the top, like I think this is we talk about how it's they always fabricate these like it, it's it's closer than you think for the first overall pick. It actually seems to be true this year. So hey, at least it's going to make for a really entertaining draft, I think.
1: Oh, definitely, especially with the halves having this many picks, having it at home. And I mean, if they can get another top 10 pick and then, you know, maybe, maybe make a move or two before it's, it's, it's going to
0: be the next week is going to be pretty exciting for sure. I mean, I just want to hear Bettman go on stage, booed mercilessly, obviously <laughs> the most boot he's ever been as, as it should be every Canadian uh, city that ha- holds the draft should be the best at booing Gary Bettman. And then he just goes to the mic with the smirk on his face because he loves the booze. You know he loves the booze. <laughs> for sure. Big smirk on his face, and he just says, "We have a trade to announce." And then everyone loses their mind. And then he goes, "The Montreal Canadiens." And 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 you know he's 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 got it in him. He's gonna go slow. Yeah, hopefully he's there actually because he missed the uh, the the handoff for the cup because he was recovering for COVID. So uh, as much as I'm not necessarily a fan of Batman. When he's not there, it's like oh, I'm, I'm, I miss the the booing and the whole like circus of it all, you know.
1: I'm sure he's gonna be there. Like like you said, I mean, I think I think he loves it.
0: Oh, so I, I'm sure he's gonna be there <laughs> with a he, big smile. He absolutely loves it, and he's a businessman. Like he gets that it's 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 kind of good for business that people like in a weird way because like it always makes like on Twitter and all that, you have people tweeting about like how he's getting booed and all that. It, it makes for some great soundbites too and everything. So uh, he definitely loves it. And I, I, I kind of, I kind of hope we don't get a trade before draft day. Like, like I wouldn't be surprised if they do want to make a splash, that if they have like an agreement in place, they, they agree with the team that they're only going to announce it on draft day. And hopefully it doesn't leak and all that. Cause I'd love to get a surprise trade on the draft floor. Those are always so exciting, but then that much more, if it's one, the Montreal Canadians and it's in Montreal, I mean, that will just be wild. But then what if we don't like the trade though? And then, I don't know. I just, I, like, I've never been this excited to watch a draft. I'll tell you that much. Well, we've, we've never had the first overall pick in our lifetime. That's true. That's so. true. true. All right. So, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think that, that covers it for, uh, for this with uh, the, Marco D'Amico talk and, uh, and uh our opinions once again on on the draft i mean we've talked about the draft so much at this point i can't wait to talk about the post-draft situation so uh we know we haven't been as consistent with uh with podcasts of course with the canadians not being in the playoff picture but make sure to follow us at the haves forum on twitter to to know when the episode next episodes comes up because we're definitely going to do an episode after the draft and we're definitely going to do uh, also, an episode like kind of pre-free agency, I'd like it to talk about that and whatever moves may come because whenever there's a big move, we do tend to actually hop on and make a make make a podcast. And I, I think we may have a lot of moves coming up for the for the Canadians. So, like I said, keep an eye out on uh, on our Twitter. And uh, as uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you. Next time.